Hour, 58 minutes of expose on the U.S. intelligence system, the shadow government or deep state, and the current events related to constitutional freedom. I'm your host, Kevin Shipp, former CIA officer and author of From the Company of Shadows. I want to welcome everyone to the first broadcast of the Intelligence Hour. Thanks for joining us. Here's some of the topics we'll be discussing on the program over the coming weeks. We'll be talking about the shadow government or the deep state. We'll peel it back layer by layer. We'll be exposing documented government cover-ups from a constitutional perspective. Give you some examples. We'll talk about historical dark CIA operations that have been concealed from Congress and what they mean for a democracy, which is real important. I've uh, talked to a guest. I'm going to have a guest on that's going to be discussing uh, Pearl Harbor. Uh, did the government have advanced knowledge of Pearl Harbor? Uh, and we'll be talking about the framing of Admiral Husband E. Kimmel and his eventual exoneration. That report is out there. His family has been pressing for it to be released to the public, but the Navy is withholding it for reasons which hopefully we can discuss. I've got a retired admiral that will be coming on to talk about that. We're going to get into detail on how the government silences whistleblowers. I'll be talking about some false flags, exactly what a false flag is, uh, for example, the fabricated event that started the Vietnam War that a lot of people don't know about. Uh, with my background in uh, anti-terrorism and the Citizens Commission on Benghazi, where I serve with some people with real distinction, I'll talk about the U.S. government, the rise of al-Qaeda and ISIS. And, of course, we're going to get into the current state of government surveillance of Americans. We'll talk about something that's very important, and that's the coming economic crisis, which is really one of the biggest national security threats that we're facing. Uh, we'll talk about CIA torture and rendition. We'll have a guest on to talk about that. We'll get into detail on the Federal Reserve, uh, its secret budget, its exemption from audit, and uh, the fact that the central, uh, the, the Federal Reserve rather um, affects the, the lives of every single American in this country and our finances. Uh, we'll talk about the shadow government's influence on the mainstream media. We'll discuss the CIA and its proper role in a constitutional government, congressional corruption, and the mafia-like extortion on Capitol Hill, which I think many of you will find uh, uh, pretty eye-opening. Uh, we'll get into detail on the Council on Foreign Relations. Of course, it was uh, behind the origin and the creation of the CIA, and we'll talk about its original goal of globalism, uh, using factual documented documented information. We'll talk about the International Monetary Fund and the central banks and how the central banks control a lot of our economy and how they're tied into what we'll call the shadow government. More on that later. And, of course, I'll be talking about breaking news and current events that are related to intelligence on each program as we go along. So let me say this. Uh, because the Intelligence Hour has no political affiliation, it features a wide array of fascinating subjects. 
This is not a Democratic or Republican program. It's not liberal or conservative, and I'm happy to say it's not politically correct. I'm not influenced by mainstream media news outlets, the corporations that own and control them, or the government agencies that influence much of their reporting. When the mainstream media publishes a good, accurate, and valuable report, I'll share it with my audience and give them the credit for it. When the mainstream media practices journalistic deception, I'll call them out. My focus is on the Constitution and preserving the freedoms that we all love. And I want to say, you, the listeners, are the stars of this show. You're the hope of this country and the promise of real future change. You're what makes this program worth the risk. I'll be having several well-known guests on the show, former CIA officers, NSA officers, former FBI employees, anti-terrorism experts, and some famous government whistleblowers. I'll also have some investigative journalists that will discuss some, some programs that are quite interesting. And I want to say this, too. On this program, I don't talk over my guests. I don't go off on crazy conspiratorial rants. And I treat the people that I interview with dignity and respect, whether I agree with them or not. That's important to me. My goal is to present you with accurate, unfiltered information from a constitutional perspective. This show will be different from others. I'll report on government activity, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Humbly, my master's degree is in forensic psychophysiology. That's a fancy word for the detection of deception. So during future shows, I'll be teaching you techniques on how to detect deception in government officials in their speeches, politicians and the statements that they make, and in mainstream media news reporting. I've been doing that for about over 10 years, and we're going to have some fun with that one. You'll never watch the news or listen to a politician the same again. <laughs> and I welcome your input. I want to let you know at the end of the show, I'll give you our email address at the Intelligence Hour, and I welcome your comments. They mean a lot to me, and they'll help shape this program. In 2012, I made the decision to go public and reveal parts of the U.S. government that operate without the knowledge or approval of Congress. And we have to remember that Congress is the fundamental representatives of the people. And as I've taught in some of my criminal justice classes in universities, we always have to remind everyone that the U.S. Constitution is the supreme law of the land in the United States. The U.S. Constitution supersedes the entire rest of the criminal justice system. So if the Constitution is broken or violated, that is a felony or multiple felonies. And it helps to remember that. And Congress is part of that important constitutional system. Really, in essence, Congress should be the boss of the secret intelligence agencies. But too many times, it's been the other way around. Americans have got to be informed about what is secretly going on behind the scenes in Washington, D.C. Uh, I've been asked again and again, why am I doing this? Why have I been taking the risk to expose these things? And I have to say, my personal love for freedom my dedication to our Constitution are what motivates me to keep you informed of what's going on behind the scenes in our government. Sadly, I have to say we're living under a post-constitutional government, and it's time for all of us, as we the people, to be informed about the actions of our government, specifically the ones that are being hidden from us. It's a sad fact that many networks in the mainstream media are not giving you the full story about this. I really wish that was not true. The press is the primary check on our government, or at least it's supposed to be. News is being altered. Important stories are being omitted, and sometimes the news is even fabricated. There are reasons for this, and we'll cover that in an upcoming show. Freedom of the press. Objective, 
truthful, and courageous reporting and the scrutiny of the actions of government are one of the most important pillars in our democracy. Without these, our freedoms are in trouble. Without these, we're faced with unchecked government power, and that never turns out well. So this is the mission of the Intelligence Hour. My goal is to give you the news and information that is either intentionally or unintentionally being withheld from you. Money, power, greed, and the tendency of government to conceal its activity have manipulated the news for far too long. And I think the time has come for that to be changed. So sit back, relax, and let's spend some time together discussing some of the most fascinating top topics out there today. I'll start off each week with news and analysis of current events. If you've been listening to the news lately or watching uh, news programs, you probably noticed that all of a sudden everyone is talking about the shadow government or deep state. From Rush Limbaugh to Bill Moyers to Sean Hannity to Laura Ingram and several other well-known commentators are all talking about it. And all of these people I like and respect tremendously. Both liberals and conservatives are talking about the shadow government or deep state. And of course, I have to sit back and think, where was everybody in 2012 when I was revealing it in my speeches? Uh, it was resounding silence out there, and it was a lonely feeling. I suppose it wasn't so safe back then to talk about it, and uh, who knows? Uh, many in the GOP, and I think this is uh, worth pointing out, many in the GOP even are blaming Obama plans for being the deep state. And it's real important. I want to point out that this is partially true because Barack Obama was part of and continued the deep state, expanding NSA surveillance program, expanding the drone program, and prosecuting more whistleblowers, at least in the open that we know about, than other presidents. But what they're not telling us is that the deep state was operating behind both Republican and Democratic administrations, from Bill Clinton to George W. Bush and up to Barack Obama. Deep state operations have influenced the White House, going all the way back to Dwight D. Eisenhower. And we'll see that in future programs. So it's important to know that the shadow government is not some wild off-the-chart conspiracy theory. It's not a secret group of men or women secretly planning in the dark in a smoke-filled room somewhere in Washington, D.C. It's real, for sure. But in reality, it's a massive, complex system made up of several nodes that connect to each other, function many times with taxpayer-funded secret budgets, engage in operations without the knowledge of Congress, and use a massive system of secrecy to shield its power and actions internationally. And I, I want to say here, because it's very important, that many of the hardworking people in the CIA, the NSA, and the FBI, and the Pentagon are patriotic Americans. I've worked with people in all of these agencies, and some of them are America's finest. Many of them serve their country with distinction, and I support them 100%. My focus is on the massive system that functions at higher levels that many of them do not even know about in detail, but I can tell you many sense that it's there. I know many of them can't address this because of their career and financial well-being and, and their families depend on it, and, and I, I understand and appreciate that a lot. And essentially, there's nothing wrong with that unless they see it happening and remain quiet for the sake of their government retirement, which, of course, is an agonizing decision for anyone. We've seen a lot of, of this with military generals, generals who see the corruption, but they remain quiet until they receive their government pension, and they come out and decry the very government that's sending them a monthly check. There are others, however, that courageously, courageously fight this from the inside, and, and these are great men and women. These are the people that we need. 
And on one news program after another, we see so-called former CIA operations officers and terrorism experts that provide no credentials whatsoever for who they are, and some of which are actually well-crafted frauds. I can promise you that here on this program, we'll have experts that have real credentials. And there's important functions of our national defense and having an, having an international intelligence service to keep us safe from foreign enemies that want to destroy our way of life. And we have to realize that and remember that. And there's an important use for secrecy in protecting the movement of our troops from ambush, uh, protecting the, the, the uh, intelligence officers and assets that we have out in the field uh, from identification. And, and that's an important use for secrecy. Secrecy is important there. It should be the exception, of course, and not, not the rule. If the movements of our troops overseas were exposed, uh, that could result in, in lo serious loss of life. If the identities of our covert agents and the CIA especially uh, were revealed, um, and it has resulted in assassination or even worse, torture. But the system of secrecy has grown into a monster with incredible power of its own that hides its operations from Congress, manipulates the office of the president, engages in foreign operations most Americans would decry, and operates covert programs that have killed tens of thousands of civilians. Not to mention sending our troops into unnecessary wars like Iraq, which in my humble opinion is the biggest intelligence and military failure in US history. 110,000 Iraqi civilians have died so far. 5,000 US troops, and thousands more have been maimed or injured based on faulty intelligence and some other things leading up to the decision to go in that we'll talk about in future broadcasts. So I'll be discussing the upper levels of the shadow government system, the senior officials that have been in place across administrations, structures in these government agencies that operate in secret without the knowledge of their loyal employees who faithfully serve those institutions. The shadow government is so massive so complex and so pervasive, no one person and no single politician can stop it. But like anything else, sunlight, as they say, is the best antiseptic. This shadow government, which controls the top of these agencies and several large financial institutions has driven us to a post-constitutional government. We the people no longer run this country. The government now runs us. And we live in a kind of electronic plantation, or as one person called it, an electronic concentration camp with all of our act activities monitored. And sadly, personal privacy is a thing of the past. Uh, for everyone out there, I'll be also talking about the personality type that is driven to the upper levels of the shadow government, which so many of us have seen. In my 20 years with the federal government, I saw an incredible level of narcissism bloodthirsty careerism, self-promotion at all costs, and a total lack of basic ethics and regard for employees and subordinates. This type of personality is almost psychopathic or even perhaps a personality disorder. This is the personality type the shadow government attracts. They will do anything that they were told to do, anything. And I have to say, and maybe we'll talk about this in future broadcasts, some of the parties involved in our government in Washington, D.C. are connected to international networks that are downright vile and disgusting. I think if some people saw it, uh, they would be shocked. So I came out in 2012 
and began giving lectures on the constitutional crisis in America. I began revealing what I'd personally seen as an officer inside the CIA, as a program manager for the Department of State, and a program manager for a large State Department CIA and defense contractor. So I saw this aspect of government from just about every side. And I took great personal risk talking about the subject and was essentially alone initially in bringing it to the American public's attention. It wasn't a real good feeling. And uh, frankly, my wife and I were not sure how long I would last doing that. By the grace of God, I'm still sitting here today. It was comforting to come across a book in 2015 written by Professor Peter Dale Scott titled The American Deep State. Based on what I already knew from inside, Professor Scott's book was right on target, and he deserves a lot of credit for bringing the existence of the deep state into public view. I don't think Professor Scott gets the uh, credit he deserves, especially with all the talk about the deep state today. And so I want to mention him here. Professor Scott and I have been corresponding back and forth, and I hope to bring him on this program. So I'll use the terms shadow government and deep state interchangeably throughout this program. On tonight's program. I want to discuss my experience inside the intelligence complex. Is the shadow government real or just another conspiracy theory? Oh, it's real. Very real. And I'll be proving that and breaking it down in detail as the program proceeds in the coming weeks. I'm exposing this because I've seen its operations personally. The devastation and injury it's caused to American lives, the lives of our troops, and the lives of civilians abroad. So... You all, let's been, begin tonight's show with a discussion of how I came to understand the shadow government or deep state. I'm going to provide proof for it all as we go through these programs, and we'll have some guests on that will give us detailed information. It's helpful to remember that the term conspiracy theory was created by the CIA and published in the national press to deflect attention from what it was doing. It turned out to be a pretty successful operation. And we'll be talking about some of those operations, especially the programs that were investigated by the U.S. Congress. And historically, when these investigations occurred, documents were destroyed by the CIA, and Congress was never really able to get to the heart of some of the issues, one of which is Operation Mockingbird and the CIA's penetration of the press, which we'll talk about on a broadcast. So I like to kind of say, tongue-in-cheek, that uh, I'm a recovering CIA officer. I go to weekly meetings of CIA Agents Anonymous. Uh, CIA Agents Anonymous doesn't have a 12-step program. It has a 24-step program. The first 12 steps help us learn how to tell the truth. Uh, to my CIA colleagues, colleagues, that's just a joke. I'm only kidding. But I like to uh, adapt a joke I really like to my CIA past. And it goes like this. Why did they start using CIA officers in laboratory experiments instead of rats? Well, that's because there are certain things that rats won't even do. Kidding. But I must say there are certain benefits working for the CIA, and especially if you question their activities or if you're a whistleblower. For example, you get your mail already opened before it gets in your mailbox. Your cell phone turns itself on and off, and, and that's pretty convenient. If you're lost... Someone is always following you, and all you have to do is go back and ask them for directions. And you always have company in hotel rooms, usually on the other side of the wall, so you really never feel lonely or unappreciated. Uh, I'm kidding, everyone. Uh, well, kind of. <clears throat> Maybe not so much in, in some cases. Anyway, 
We'll be dealing with some very heavy topics on this show, and I want to add some humor to lighten it up as I go through when we can. In my case, I was a Category 1 CI officer. Humbly, I was the the recipient of two meritorious unit citations, three exceptional performance awards, and a medal for overseas operations. My love for my country and my dedication to the CIA was my greatest motivation. I went on potentially one-way missions for the agency that I loved. And I have to say that the CIA gave me some of the finest training in intelligence collection and analysis, the detection of deception, writing and crafting intelligence reports, the best training that's available in the world. And for that, I'll always have the deepest appreciation. The majority of my fellow CIA officers were dedicated, patriotic Americans, and some of them are my best friends. And we went through a lot together there. And that's something that'll last you for the rest of your life. But... At the higher levels of the CIA and in operations most CIA employees do not know about, I began to see some things that were alarming. Excuse me. I've always been a constitutionalist, and I adore this country. There were many operations that were truly impressive, and the men and women involved in those were truly heroic. So I want to mention them here. But as I rose up in the ranks, I began to see the CIA routinely operate behind the back of the U.S. Congress, spending billions of Americans' tax dollars and covert operations most Americans would abhor, and many operations that were dismal failures were hidden from Congress and the American public, sometimes costing millions of dollars. And this is something that is still continuing that is really bothersome. I saw Congress demand information during congressional hearings from the CIA, and the CIA would refuse to give it to them with a hubris or arrogance that was startling. We have to remember that Congress and the intelligence committees are the CIA's bosses, Uh, but that doesn't seem to matter. When it had to provide these documents, the CIA would use its power of secrecy and provide documents that were almost completely blacked out to the point of it being ridiculous. You can go online and and, uh, there are pictures of some of those documents. I'd look at some also documents that were released in Fast and Furious. Uh, There's so much blacked out, it's almost humorous. The CIA and the NSA use what is called the state's secrets privilege to shut down any significant case or lawsuit or Freedom of Information Act request against them. They use the state's secrets privilege to shut that case down and seal it so not even Congress can see the information. Basically, it's gone forever. And the CIA controls and the NSA, the judiciary, in the case of the state's secrets privilege to such an extent the judiciary simply rubber stamps the CIA's actions. And in some cases, uh, that is also the case with FISA surveillance requests, which we've seen in the news quite a bit lately. And that'll be the subject of, of another show. It was the actions and connections of those in the upper levels of CIA management I began to realize did not have the same code of ethics as the rest of us. And there is a reason for that. Many parts of the CIA, especially such as the Directorate of Intelligence or DI, are extremely valuable to our national security and policymakers. They're dedicated professionals and tremendously valuable for collecting and analyzing threats from foreign enemies. So many of them are fine people, and I had the the privilege of working with many of them. The upper levels of the CIA, however, under utmost secrecy, manage what I call the central node of the shadow government or the deep state. And of course, that's connected to other secret aspects of our government. The majority of CIA employees have no idea who's steering the ship or where it's being steered. For those who don't come out or don't come from the CIA's culture of secrecy, uh, which is definitely there, it's kind of a world of its own, 
for those who don't come from that culture, let me let me kind of give you a, an analogy that may help a little bit. The CI is like a huge castle. It's got several floors. On each floor are multiple rooms or chambers. Inside each chamber, there's a corridor that leads to another chamber. Only those who've demonstrated total loyalty to the kings of the castle will be given entry to the chambers. They're told they're the most intelligent and exceptional people in the kingdom and have been chosen because they're special above all the other citizens. In secret meetings, they're told this until they believe it. However, to gain access to each chamber, they're asked to swear a secret blood oath. If they do, they'll be given access to see the jewels of the kingdom itself. But if they're not, but, but they're not told of the penalties of breaking this blood oath or that the oath will bind them from ever mentioning what they see, even the darkest of things. Those that have been given access to the outer chambers happily don't know what goes on on the upper floors of the castle and, and in the innermost chambers, and many of them don't want to know. Those who are finally given access to the inner rooms are reminded regularly that they are to tell no one about what they see, even if it shocks them, and if they do, the penalty is horrible. Like all secret societies, the feeling of being special is ruled by a sense of fear, the fear of making a mistake or displeasing the kings. Secrecy and fear are the most powerful tools of the rulers. And that's, that's an analogy, I hope, that kind of conveys the climate uh, that I'm talking about. Uh, in my case, I love the CIA, and I was good at what I did, too good. Sometimes I got my hands a little dirty. And for a few years there, I left even my most basic uh, morals. There were times that I returned from missions from overseas and had to go to church to sit, take a soul bath uh, many times. But of course, I kept going with the same thirst as everyone else to rise to the top, and everyone's career thirsty in an environment like that. Then I had a personal wake-up moment. I have to be very careful here, so I'll stick to the accounts of this that were approved for my book from the Company of Shadows. While the CI allowed me to uh, publish some revelations in there that were quite surprising, it blacked out huge amounts of information that were not classified that dealt with the injury of some American citizens, but a cover-up, and things that were very embarrassing to the agency. And that's a violation of an executive order issued by President Ronald Reagan that states that especially the CIA cannot black out information simply because it's embarrassing to the agency or conceals illegal activity. Uh, I can tell you that that executive order is uh, violated routinely. I have to mention this too now, uh, because I think it's very important. In terms of when I give speeches and on this program, obviously I have to watch every word that I say and be very careful. My friend and former CIA officer, John Kiriakow, who exposed the CIA torture program, and we, we all need to remember later, the torture program resulted in the CIA actually spying on the Senate and breaking into their computers. That is a felony. And of course, we always have to ask, was anybody indicted? Did anybody go to jail for that? No, of course not. Remember, this is the shadow government or deep state. They lie with impunity under oath. They engage in extreme violations of the Constitution. Uh, they leak classified information. They have huge swaths of classified information at times on their personal computers. And no one's ever prosecuted. No one's ever indicted. 
We have congressional hearings. We all watch with anticipation, but nothing ever becomes of it. These people swear under oath, and it's essentially proven, and nothing ever comes of it. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the shadow government. So, uh, John Kiarakow found out the hard way that if you cross the government, in his case, revealing the torture program, they're just waiting for you to make one slip up to invoke their power of secrecy and silence you. John's a patriot and a hero, and I want to mention that here. Leading up to the publication of my book, From the Company of Shadows, the CIA threatened me and even my family several times from disclosing what they'd done and the injury the agency had done to innocent, innocent civilians. And this is inside the United States. I fought them and took great risk to expose what they'd done. <clears throat> Excuse me, and get the book out. <clears throat> it was not easy. The storm of censorship was incredible. It took me about a year of battling Freedom of Information Act requests, reminding them of the executive order, and on and on and on and on. It was a grueling process. I can't begin to feel the agony John went through. He was convicted and actually put in prison for a slip of the tongue that was not intentional that any one of us could have made. And that's not the reason why he was arrested. It was an outrage. For eight years, I had the feeling of impending retribution that I could be taken away to prison at any time for exposing the illegal activities the CIA had done. And I had people in positions and even in the news media that told me I, that could very well happen. Thankfully, in the end, it didn't. And I continued to protect the information I had access to in the CIA out of honor and personal ethics. So I suppose the CIA and I have a mutual understanding of sorts. This was my wake-up call, my first exposure to the shadow government. And I saw more of that in some of the Beltway Bandits uh, government contracts that I was later to work for and manage programs with. The government has a specific mechanism to silence whistleblowers. It's intentional, it's scripted, and it's well-refined. It's been used to silence innumerable whistleblowers in the intelligence agencies and the military for over 60 years because it works and they're good at it. Let me discuss some of these events. As a senior officer, I was engaged in an international investigation of CIA overseas operations. During this investigation, literally, I stumbled over a vulnerability. It appeared uh, like that vulnerability was quite serious. It appeared that it, it exposed the identity of our agents overseas to foreign nationals, uh, foreign intelligence services, and others. Obviously, uh, that put them at great risk of assassination uh, or abduction uh, and some pretty bad things. After months of investigation, I documented what I had found in a lengthy, detailed, referenced and sourced report. As a matter of duty, I contacted the CI officer in charge of this program and sent my report uh, to he and his office. Shockingly, a couple days later, I received an ominous, an ominous phone call from a senior officer in charge. This particular officer was way above my pay grade threatened me and ordered me to stop the investigation immediately and then hung up the phone. I sat there kind of stunned. It took me a couple days uh, to, to process what had just happened. 
So thinking, well, uh, maybe they don't understand what we may have here. I sent uh, the report through internal channels uh, to his office in their track. They have a buck slip on them, which is a routing slip. Called the office after they had time to look at it, asked him if they'd seen it. And their response was, uh, what report? I said, well, the report I just sent you through internal channels. Uh, well, we haven't seen it. Okay, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll put it in the internal mail system again. Fine, was the response. So I put it in the internal mail system again, sent it over there, gave him a week, called back. Just wanted to see what you think of the report I sent you. The response, what report? I said, the report I sent you twice uh, with a, a routing slip on it. Uh, well, we, we don't know about any report. I said, all right, uh, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll bring it to you personally. So I took a trip to agency headquarters. I walked into the office up to the desk of the special assistant, which is second to the chief in charge, handed her the report and said, ma'am, <clears throat> excuse me, here's the report that I was telling you about. Could you please deliver this uh, to the chief of the division? The air, the air in the office was uh, pretty obvious. Um, she didn't want me there. She didn't want to see the report. And it was kind of the hubris and the arrogance that, that I was talking about earlier. But I left the report in person. Gave him a week again to digest it. Called him up. Spoke to her personally. And said, what do you think? What do you think of the report? Once again, the response was, uh, what report? And as ridiculous as this may sound, <laughs> I, I said the report that I handed to you personally over the desk. Her response was, well, uh, we must have lo lost that we don't have it. So uh, I realized what was going on. They didn't want to see this stuff. Uh, to this day, I cannot understand why the CIA would want to cover up the fact that there was a, a significant vulnerability overseas that, that could expose the identities of our agents. I've had many people ask me about that. Why would they do that? Do that? And I, I simply can't answer that uh, unless they wanted it there for a reason. Uh, who knows? So I sent uh, and hand carried this report several times again with no response. Uh, then I went into the headquarters server where I had it saved uh, and it had been deleted from the server. Once again, <laughs> shock after shock after shock. You know, it's funny. Every time I thought to myself, well, they'd never do this, uh, they did. Over and over and over. So I had an agonizing decision to make. It took me several days to make it. Uh, it appeared to me that this was serious. And I also knew that this was uh, a real threat to, to my career. But I had to, I reached a decision. I, I couldn't let this go. These are the lives of my fellow officers in the field. And it appeared to me that this vulnerability was quite significant. So I contacted a senior officer outside the CIA. He's a former decorated senior, super grade, senior grade level, rather, manager who'd been given a medal of, of, uh, for heroism. A tremendous guy, one of the old school God and Patriot types. I sent the report to him for review. Top floor is the main, uh, of the main State Department. Uh, he received the report and told me he'd look it over with a couple other senior officers and he'd, he'd get back to me. 
I got a phone call one day, picked it up, and he said, uh, Kev, we looked at your report, and uh, we think you may be onto something here. We think that uh, this could be could be serious. Would you come over to state and would you brief us on what you found? That was so refreshing because in meeting after meeting after meeting, I had briefed senior CIA officers and senior officers in the Department of State, and I'd been mocked. They told me it was way above my pay grade. Who was I to think this was even the case? One State Department official even told me, no, this is corrected years ago. Senior officer. And it turned out that was a bold-faced lie. Uh, again, why in the world would somebody do that? Uh, I wish I had the answer. So uh, this uh, senior officer took my investigation, told me they were going to do a global international investigation and see what they found out. They lay low. And when they got back, uh, they'd contact me with their results. Several months later, it's kind of funny. I was on the uh, the line, the phone, internal phone with a friend, and we were talking. And, and he said, uh, I got to go. Someone's coming to my office. I'll call you back in five minutes. So I hung up the phone. So I sat there waiting for him to call back. The phone rang, and thinking it was him, I picked it up and said, Pizza Hut. And on the other end of the line was the senior officer. Uh, Hello, this is... Uh, John so-and-so, uh, and it was one of those Homer Simpson moments. Don't, uh, I said, <laughs> sorry about that, sir. I thought you were my buddy. Uh, he goes, no, no worries, Gab. He goes, uh, our investigation is done. We need you to come over here immediately. So I did. Went over to the upper levels of state, sat down with this officer, the other two senior officers, and they advised me, uh, our investigation is done globally, and uh, we found out that it's bad. It's even worse than you thought. Uh, this is this is serious. We're going to contact the agency and and then we're going to have a meeting f to follow up. Would you be willing to come? And I said, yes, sir, of course. Be glad to. So, oh, about three days later, a high level meeting was called, and the head of this CIA office's office that was involved in what wound up being a cover up was ordered to attend the meeting. I reported to uh, Maine State walked into a big conference room with a long conference room table. Sitting at the other end of the table, <clears throat> excuse me, was the senior CIA officer that I had pre presented my report to several times, stiff and looking uh, nervous. I sat down at the table, and uh, this senior officer and the, the two other state officers publicly rebuked the CIA for putting the lives of his agents at risk for several years, officially rebuked them, and advised them that a report on this is going out to the entire intelligence community. The CIA manager involved was visibly nervous, uh, was trying to, to feign that composure. And when the meeting was over, he left immediately without saying anything, anything to anyone. <clears throat> As I sat there, I saw my career flash before my eyes. <clears throat> I knew that the CIA was not going to let this go without teaching me a lesson. Indeed, that report went out to the entire intelligence uh, uh, community. My immediate boss, who was a fine man, uh, gave me an exceptional performance award uh, for doing it. But as I walked through headquarters, uh, CIA headquarters, it was a feeling like I had a laser dot on my chest. And things just got more interesting from there. I began to see a mechanism set up to silence scrutiny of things that uh, are life-threatening for reasons that 
you, you can't sometimes even figure out. Subsequently, I was assigned to a classified base inside the United States, and I was ordered to move onto the facility. In the main building one day, I was advised uh, to report to the inner office and meet my new boss, which I did dutifully. And as I was standing there, in walks my new boss, and it was the senior CI officer that was rebuked for putting the, the lives of our officers at risk. And this wasn't even his division. This wasn't even his branch of the CIA that he was experienced in. So uh, it was clear what was happening. Uh, and as I said before, every time I thought, nah, they'd never do this, uh, they'd do it. So the house I was living in, turns out everyone started getting sick. And there was black stuff in the walls and in the roof, some kind of, of black mold. Uh, we In the yard we found fragments of mustard gas shells that had percolated up uh, through the ground. Uh, it, it became clear that there was something in or under the house. Uh, and I think the operation to uh, silence me personally had, had begun. There was some kind of poison in the house that was making uh, my family deathly sick. One day I stand in the kitchen, my wife comes running in, terrified. Uh, her nose was bleeding. Her gums were bleeding. Uh, she, would, she had bruises all over her body, uh, and she was deathly ill. Eventually, she became bedridden, lost her short-term memory, and, and they had to put her on morphine. My oldest son became just as sick. Without the base knowing it, I secretly flew him to a well-known immunologist who did a battery of tests over three days, came back and sat me and my son down uh, for the results, and this is what he said. Mr. Ship, uh, the tests show that your son's immune system has been so damaged, it's like he's been exposed to a burst of radiation. So that was the last straw. Uh, this just wasn't me. It was my family. So I took the family to several different doctors, got several different diagnoses, got all the blood tests. I conducted a secret test on the house myself, got the, the results of that test, dutifully sent it all to headquarters and said, my family is sick. There's a poison in this house. Something's got to be done with it. Three times I was ordered to drop it. Three times I, would, I was advised no one was going to inspect the house. No one was going to test the house. And I was not to let that leave the base. My report sent to headquarters, here we go again, were destroyed. The officer responsible claimed it never received them and they disappeared from the internal tracking system, which is incredible. The officer that uh, confirmed that they disappeared told me that he was shocked that this has never happened before and that those documents were lost forever. I was then threatened with security violations if I talked about uh, the illnesses and the possible cause with anyone. And then it got worse. Our house was broken into on the base. A chemical was painted on the ceiling. We were followed. Our house was, was bugged. I filed reports uh, to security regarding the break into the house and some base employees advised me they were ordered to remove and destroy those reports. To make a, a long story short, uh, I filed a case in court against the CIA. I had photographs, I had environmental samples, I had uh, uh, sworn affidavits from some of the, the employees on the base regarding the destruction of documents. 
I had it all, so much so that it went all the way up to the higher levels of the judiciary system. And as I mentioned before, what the CIA did was invoke the state's secret privilege and seal the case, threatening me that if I talked to anybody about it, I'd go to jail. If our family talked to anybody about it, including our attorneys, they'd go to jail. And the Congress and the Senate uh, would never see it. Now, remember, I have a love for the Constitution. That's what keeps our government in check. So after mulling it over, wrestling with it for several days, that's when I made the decision to go public and alert Americans to the unbridled power that resides in the shadow government or deep state. And we'll go into some of the other nodes, layers about that in, in uh, future broadcasts. I had seen this firsthand. I'd seen the belly of the beast. So I came out and it. 2012, I wrote from the Company of Shadows, which is an expose of CIA operations, some of which were quite substantial, and uh, the agency allowed me to publish. But they blacked out the chapters on the cover-up, when the doctor's diagnosis, the poisoning, all of that was blacked out entirely in the book. And I included some of those blackout, blackouts for people to see. Uh, they tried to block me from saying I ever worked for the CIA. I had filed a Freedom of Information Act request and got my actual performance appraisals from the assignments that I had released to me by the CIA. And I placed those in the book, not myself, not to make myself look like a tough guy, but to prove uh, who I was, was, was uh, where I worked there and the actual positions that I had. And that's in from the company Shadows. They're supposed to get a FOI request back. The CIA is in 30 days. It took six, six months and me threatening them with an executive order to get that stuff out. So when people file Freedom of Information Act requests against the CIA, I just sit back and say, well, good luck with that one. They have a system to stop that from happening. It's called the system of secrecy. I built a code into the book that exposes the illness of my family, the cover-up, and what happened, and uh, that can be found in the text. I contacted a major news media outlet with the story who it uh, took. I was to find out later, and I'll mention this in later bro broadcasts. This uh, reporter went straight to the CIA and reported it instead of confidentially uh, doing the story. An eye-opener about some, uh, some newspaper outlet's connection with the CIA. We'll get into one paper in detail later on. Uh, that was a sad moment. Uh, I had thought that the press was... Uh, separate uh, from this shadow government in the case of some of the major outlets, that is just not the case. Some other papers picked up the story, but the illness uh, and the poisoning was bl blamed on black mold in the house, uh, and the real details of the poisoning uh, of my family have remained hidden since then. So for the last five years, I've come out to alert Americans to the dark side of the government that will not tolerate exposure of its activities, no matter how legal or dangerous they are. And if someone does, they pay a dear price. That's how the shadow government protects itself, through secrecy, fear, and a system of personal des destruction that anyone dares challenge it. I've got John Kierakow to come on as a guest uh, in the next couple of weeks, and, and he's got a new book out. I want to talk about his book, and we'll talk about his experiences because they're, they're, they're quite moving. In 2016, I decided I was going to leave this fight and retired on my wonderful farm deep in uh, the southern United States. I was done with this. I was very happy. Uh, but I was contacted by some highly placed people with whom, with whom I have great respect. And over time, they convinced me to come out and, 
and reveal this, reveal what I know about the shadow government and especially how it functions. Uh, and they convinced me to do it, primarily because of our constitutional freedoms. And, you know, as they say, it's, it's a dirty job, but someone has to do it. So I've returned with a dedication to this country I adore and the constitutional system of government so many have given their lives for. I'm doing it for them and for those of us who still have a chance to change the rapid erosion of our freedoms. This is the shadow government, a system that manipulates Washington, D.C. behind the scenes, that operates beyond the control of Congress, that even dictates the actions of the president of the United States and affects the daily lives of every American. It's real, and it's been growing in complexity for over 60 years. While the American people work long hours just to survive and make ends meet, the shadow government spends billions of dollars on secret operations, overthrowing governments and engages in covert wars that kill thousands, all without any vote or say by the American people. The people that pay the taxes the shadow government uses to fund these operations. While their congressmen and senators promise them they'll make their lives better and improve their difficult standard of living, these same congressmen vote for billions of dollars in military and covert action programs with their lobbyists and connected shadow government industrial corporations where the CEOs make millions a year. The people starve while the kings of the kingdom shower themselves with gold. As the saying goes, truth is the best antiseptic and truth is the key to freedom. And that's where we come in. We'll come together once a week, God willing, and pull the cover off this unconstitu unconstitutional side of government and discuss what we as Americans can do about it. We are still the most wonderful free country in the world, at least on the surface. But that freedom is rapidly slipping away. We have, we have to do something about this. So I want to thank you so much for joining the first broadcast of the Intelligence Hour. It's so good to have you joining in. Uh, and as I mentioned before, you're what makes this program important. And your feedback about this program to me is important also. If any of you out there have any comments or suggestions for me at the Intelligence Hour, you can send me an email at intelligencehour at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. That's intelligencehour at gmail.com, and I'll read every email that comes in. In our upcoming programs, I'll be interviewing some fascinating guests, former intelligence and military officers, investigative journalists, so don't miss it. Next week, we'll begin to peel back the layers of the shadow government or deep state. It'll be a fascinating and enlightening program. So please invite your family and friends to listen. And until then, as I always like to do, I want to leave you with a famous quote attributed to Thomas Jefferson. When the people fear their government, there is tyranny. When the government fears the people, there is liberty. This is your host for the Intelligence Hour, Kevin Ship, wishing you a good and peaceful night. And remember, it's the Constitution that keeps us free, and it's faith family and friends that make life fulfilling. I'll see you next week.